Blog Talk Radio. Well, I give them the science, and it's like them send out them nothing. So, I want to take your man. Whoa, I want to take your man, up it upon your man. I want to take your man, up it upon your man. Go say you're my daily, he man the champion. I'm up in the dance hall, talk up in the session for the people and the dance. Boy, I'm not a fashion, let me sing. I want to take your man, up it upon your man. I want to take your man, up it upon your man. This is the holy, holy, holy water. Holy, holy, hoopaka, abaka, holy, holy, holy water. Holy, holy, who baka, a baka baka rindan, a dung a wishmolan, a dung a portan, thank a maka, where this fire come from, padang, padang, I want to take your man, the pity upon your man, I want to take your man, the pity upon your man, don't give me no swelling skin, nah, no big foot, nah, no puff puff, nah, no rotten pork, this a day, holy, holy, holy water, holy, holy, hanshaya, hanshaya, holy, holy, holy water, holy, Holy, holy what? Make you no like it. People progress. Make you no like it. People get promotion. You want rock with foot. You want rock with hand. Can't carry clothes but don't have that. You use I like this and I like that. I try to stop the youth then some reach the top. How I take your man, up it upon your man. How I take your man, up it upon your man. How I take your man, up it upon your man. Who said this a youth man? He might be champion. Then this a youth man. Run the nation of violence, of violence, can't come touch time, man. This a day. Holy, holy, holy water. Holy, holy. Ay, maka, ay, maka. Holy, holy, holy water. Holy, holy. Ay, maka, ay, maka. Oh, shalama, shalama, shalama. Back on with us. Hi there. Can, 
Hi there, uh, Beverly. How are you doing tonight? Thank you so much for having great, me on. Great, Definitely. Great. It's always a pleasure. And you have a guest with you tonight, uh, Mr. A- Adam Abraham. He's the creator of the map of one. What is that? Oneness. One. Yeah, consciousness. want consciousness. Yeah, consciousness. It's hard to say. Consciousness. The map of. Okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of like consciousness with the word one in front uh-huh. of it. One. Okay. Consciousness. Interesting. Interesting. Are you, are you there, Adam? Let, let me pull Mr. Uh, Abraham up. Adam Abraham, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Beverly uh, and, and Renee. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I'll just that that the 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 word consciousness uh, became evident after I made the map. So it, it wasn't uh, first nature to me either. It seemed it, it was the logical uh, result of what I had done uh, once I had done it. Gosh, <laughs> yeah, Beverly. I, just so you know, Beverly, I sent you um, a, uh, an image uh, in your text of the map of consciousness, so you yeah, know what we're referring it. to. Okay. Okay. I, I just Great. Posted, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so uh, first, uh, tell us, uh, Renee, who Adam Abraham is. Well, Adam is a dear friend of mine. Uh, I've met uh, quite a while ago uh, during my travels and spiritual studies. Uh, Adam uh, has been an amazing uh, teacher and healer for many years. He's an author. Uh, He's a publisher, uh, documentary filmmaker. philosopher and what he calls inspirementalist. Uh, He's a chief visionary officer for a a natural water enhancement technology company, uh, which deals with uh, all sorts of natural technologies, dealing with water and vortexes and basically the the laws of nature. So he's been able to uh, develop uh, what he calls the map of consciousness, which is uh, which is based on a uh, well-known uh, spiritual teacher um, named David Hawkins, Doctor David Hawkins, and he and uh, David Doctor Hawkins is a, is a neuroscientist who came up with something called the Map of Consciousness, which basically shows in a visual format the different states of uh, of being that a human can exist within all the way from the darkest, lowest level to the highest enlightened uh, level possible. And this map shows how anger is at a certain level, how shame and guilt, how love, courage, enlightenment, all these different levels it shows on this map, very easy to see. So uh, Adam had developed a completely uh, new map based on that, uh, and that's what he's here to talk about, as well as, as, well as uh, many other things he's doing. So, uh, Adam, do you have a uh, any a website or anything for us to look at or go to, or a YouTube channel, or is that all still in the works right now? Uh, well, yes and yes. Uh, <laughs> as okay. it turns out, um, I have a site for uh, where these maps will be uh, available along with other things and that site is called loveishome.co loveishome.co 
And uh, okay. and then my my vortex technology is at presidentwater.co, the President Water Company, but presidentwater.co. And you can look up my name on YouTube, and you'll find um, my channel uh, there that talks about a whole bunch of things. Uh, it's my second channel. I'll stay here. Uh, my first one, which lasted, was in, in existence for over 10 years, and I had about 600 videos on. I had uh, 14,000 subscribers and uh, several million views. And because I would say the information that I presented on there was not, um, let us say, politically uh, popular, they literally deplatformed the entire thing without due course, due con, you know, due process, so to speak. So this was in 2019, uh, months before. Uh, so that was on real, YouTube. Was that YouTube was you're referring to? I'm talking about YouTube. So you. This was, <laughs> Go ahead. So YouTube deleted your whole channel. Yes. Oh, they good at yes. that. Wow. Yeah, all of them. Well, and yeah, Twitter, yeah, they all deleted, of them they were doing that. They deplatformed mine before it was popular, okay? And they did oh. not go through any process either, okay? It, it was no intent or no no uh, pretense of, about it in terms of having an ability because there was just so much information on there about things that would, one, make people, uh, if, not, if not think, rethink what they're being told. You know, we, we really need to know that we not only have the power, but we are the power. And we have been very, very, uh, in a very orchestrated manner, in a very uh, organized manner, been talked out of our concept that we matter, that we have any value whatsoever. And I'm not talking any one specific group per se. I'm talking all people who think of themselves in, as, as being in groups. And so uh, our, the best that we can be uh, in as far as this land of the free is actually to think that we are free but really be under the uh, spell, if you will, of, of other people's agendas. So, uh, so yeah, my site was, was, was taken down, but they, they allowed me to put another email up and put some other, put a new one up, but it's, it's a, I'm just, you know, I'm just putting it up to steal more information because ultimately we have to, uh, you want to say, they say what you reap, what you sow. And if what you're taught to sow is messed up, is not really in, in authenticity, so to speak, if it's not really true, you're going to reap the, the effects of that too. So ultimately, it behooves everyone to become in a place of authenticity, to know who you are, to know what you are. And I'm not talking about surnames. I'm not talking really about anything that you can see. I'm talking about things that you perceive, that you know that you can pursue, and you get the truth from someplace within yourself, not necessarily from someone who's reading from a teleprompter. Gotcha, gotcha. So you, you mentioned that uh, yeah, we reap what we sow. So if someone or something or, or someone delivers us information that is false or inaccurate or not true, that by us believing that, that could negatively impact our life is what you're saying. It absolutely will. It's it, it's the, the fact is, 
there is a there is a thing called reciprocity. There's a something there. There's an echo effect, you know, so to speak. So we're putting we are signals, we are beacons, we are creators of of signals, of signatures of light. And what comes out, what we put out, comes back to us in the way and in the method and in the kindness of how we put it out. And so uh, we have been encouraged to think that there is a power that operates outside of ourselves. We'll say that that power is omni, omni, uh, you know, omnipotent and is omnipresent and is omniscient and everything else. It's all-powerful for some reason. It's outside. It's out uh, on the golf course someplace while we're toiling here someplace trying to uh, uh, curry some favor to it and get brownie points. I mean, this is a story that people are being told, have been told for generations, for centuries, for maybe eons. And the point basically, unless it's true, it's not, first of all, what we put out, and because a lot of people are waiting for something to happen because they are conditioned to think that everything that's meaningful will come from someone other than themselves, that they have no uh, place mm-hmm. in it. And the fact of the matter is if something that is, if we exist as a result of something that's all-powerful, all-knowing, and omnipotent, omnipresent, and everywhere, there can't be anywhere that that is not and that would include uh, within us and as us. The other thing is that they have this, the concept of free will comes up. And, and in the context of free will, that means everything is possible. There's no judgment of anything as such. I'm not I'm talking about there's, there's your judgment of what you are com- comfortable doing versus what someone else is comfortable doing. But what they do is their business and what you do is your business. And ultimately... We have the free will. We've been told these stories uh, for generations, I mean, and they go along uh, the lines of groups. They go along the lines of racial. They go ethnic. They go whatever the bifurcations are that are appearance. I would look at, I call it uh, exteriorism. <laughs> it's can all you, about can, can you give us an example of, of things that we're told that – are not true in some examples of racially or socially or, or just to sort of expand upon what, what, what you're saying right now? Well, sure. One of the most fundamental, okay, in the racial conversation, okay, in the racial mm-hmm. context, and it could be translated into others, but one of the most fundamental is uh, the we've got to get equality, okay? We've got to have equal this, equal, equal that. Now, that is the most impossible thing that can be, can be sought after to, to actually try to make something happen because you already are. Everyone is already equal in, the, in, in, the, in their ability to make changes in their own life because no one lives my life but me. No one lives your life but you. And the only one who can change my life is myself, et cetera, et cetera. However, we have this, this story has been played out um, generations after generation, and it's not so much because crap didn't happen. Crap absolutely happened. 
okay, for reasons that people, uh, you might even say people were convinced uh, were, were the problem. However, one, one group's misery is no better or no worse than anyone else's, and ultimately it takes people within themselves to start changing their own story, and it begins by changing how they see themselves from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so when people began changing themselves from the, from the inside out, start changing their lives, uh, if you think of Frederick Douglass as one uh, amazing guy, think how he changed, the, he changed himself, and then others changed as a result of it. Change, beneficial change comes from within, and it comes from beneficial thinking, beneficial um, self-perceiving, and beneficially intended activity. You can't create a, a positive effect with a negative attitude. And so what the, the, the perceptions are relative, as I was talking about, uh, say, race as example, there tends to be this edge. You're supposed to, quote, unquote, what? Act black. What the hell does that mean? You're supposed to act black. Who is the, the, um, the arbiter of how you are supposed to gotcha, be? Gotcha. We go through and until we decide to be ourselves and uh, our authentic selves, our, whoever the hell we are, you know, I'm not here to judge or say who anyone else is supposed to be. I'm the only judge of myself. Excellent. But the and sense of so truth, comes, something comes from within. So is this is this where the uh, where the map of consciousness comes in uh, is is dealing with that. <clears throat> The core of that is dealing with um, levels of authenticity or levels of deception and, and how, how that ranks on a sort of a, a visual scale of something. Why don't you sort of uh, expand upon that? Sure, sure. And, and I realize uh, the listeners are listening, <laughs> okay, so, so they, they may not be seeing this, but actually if you go to um, – loveishome.co, uh, you Love will home. see a, uh, the, the map there. I'm still working all that and I, out. And I do have it, I have it posted uh, on, on our site so people can uh, see it on our page. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, well, it's really interesting. First of all, let's deal with the word, okay, because uh, – like I said, uh, uh, you said that uh, Dr. Hawkins' Map of Consciousness, uh, that book was published in 1995 originally. I read it somewhere in that time frame, 1995, 1997. And, in fact, I love that book. I read others of his books after that. But that one was just like the his seminal work for me, at least. And it, it basically had the um, – presented the idea – that people, generally speaking, don't have the ability to tell truth from what's true from what's false. And uh, in general, we've kind of, I don't say, bore down our BS meter and stuff like we can't tell, either whether we can't tell 
or we sometimes know it's true and don't uh, act accordingly. We don't like anybody to lie to us unless perhaps they have the right costume on or they have get, they, been given a title or something like that. Then, then somehow we'll rationalize it all. But see, in so doing, that's where our authenticity goes down. Every time we listen to something that someone tells us that is not true and then we follow their advice, uh, we, take, we take it in and we pay the price of the decision to do that. And some of those decisions are, are passed down even before you and I are able to make the decision. I mean, I, can, I, uh, I don't know what worms you open or don't open, but I will, I will go some places, and if we go, we go. We don't, we don't. But when I was probably six or seven years of age, as an example, I, uh, I noticed, simply noticed this little circle on my shoulder. And it had a little point, uh, you know, in the right in the center of that circle. But it was a kind of a perfect circle. And at six or seven years of age, I knew that wasn't normal. And so I asked my mom, "Mom, what's this? <laughs> what, you know, what is this thing?" And she uh, she tells me that you know that was an injection point where uh, I had had been vaccinated. And uh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just a kid, so I'm not supposed to know anything about this stuff. But you know, you just kind of have a feeling, and so, and that feeling is knowing that you don't know that you know, okay, <laughs> or it's something that affects. Uh, that feeling is deep, deep knowing because we all know things that we have decided to dismiss. So, but in my case, I just asked that question, and I got that answer, and you just kind of, okay, go on from there. You know, a little time, a few years later, now I'm a young adult. I, I'm having my first child, you know, my wife and I, and the time comes up to make that decision for injections. And, of course, I had had other injections between that one when I first asked my mom and, and then, but it got to be the same thing, and I – I also agreed with I, I permitted that process to occur with my, with my son. Now, something happened at that time that I had no concept of, I never knew existed or anything else during the course of my son's coming up. Uh, and that's one is that he had asthma. He, had, he, had, he would get asthma and he would start, you know, his body would start just, just searching and grabbing and trying to get some oxygen within those lungs. And you talk, uh, well, anyone who has seen it or heard it or experienced it know just how terrible a feeling that is. Uh, and I'm talking about someone who cares about him. I'm not even having the experience. I never had the experience, but he, he did. So seven years later, my, my uh, daughter comes up. I'm happy to say nothing happened uh, that I can tell per se. Uh, however, during that time, seven years later, one of the biggest issues was what they call the infant death syndrome, SIDS. These are conditions, these are things that were coming up and also they were mysteriously showing up and they were happening. And, of course, the, the professionals who were supposed to know all this stuff and we, the non-professionals who, who all this stuff was supposed to be over our heads, no one had a, an answer to this. But everyone paid a price who answered, who, who com- 
I'll say complied, who cooperated, who accepted those those activities. And, of course, that progression has continued with the introduction of additional issues, additional complications, additional majorly crappy stuff. I think I can say that. Uh, that people have simply been all doughy-eyed like, like uh, deers in the headlights, don't know what caused it, but they keep their hammer on the ground, on the accelerator, continuing to push people or encourage people to go in these directions. So are we paying the price of what we don't know or when we don't know something to be true? The, the, the effects of those activities, which the, the, the pushers – deny the effect. They disavow the effect. They call it plausible deniability. But the people who agreed to have them, they are having the experience. There's no denying it whatsoever. And see, the fact is, that experience is your feedback loop from life telling you what is true and what is not. You still have to put the two and two together yourself and make decisions on your own. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so the responsibility of what type of information that we listen to, that we follow, that we believe, that the direction that we're uh, that that we're focused upon, that is solely our own responsibility, regardless if we're if we're being deceived or not. It's it's up to our own self to develop the faculties of of uh, discernment so we can uh, know within ourselves if we're following something honest or dishonest. That's Absolutely. what it seems like you're saying. That's, that's 100% what I'm saying. You know, and, and there are many, many um, who knows how many will, or what will show up in the course of this conversation, but there are many... Uh, um, ideas that are not true, that we are rolling along in this experience, believing in them, okay? I'm not Because that's basically what it is. It's, talk, it's about belief. Uh, oftentimes, mm-hmm. at least when I'm I, – I, and, and the word belief is fascinating – in the sense that the way it's spelled and the way phonetically speaking it's a different thing. But if you look at how it's spelled and you look at you take the the F off the back of it and you you stretch it out a bit, it's the lie. Mm. We are you're being a lie. So if someone tells me, well, I really believe this, it, it don't change the price of bread to me. I don't care what you believe. Ultimately, what do you know? And, and, and so there are certain things that we can know. There are certain things that we can intuit. We can, certain, we can certainly take it on as having, uh, I want to say, authenticity and integrity far more than what someone is telling us, especially when someone is telling us because they have a new widget that they want to sell us or they, they have a new, uh, I'm just going to call it scam. And see, the scams that really matter, when you lose money in a, such a, in a scam, we are a society that has put the pursuit 
and the acquisition uh, of something called money as a uh, as an activity, and we are we have become accustomed to thinking that the value received from it is higher than virtually anything else, to the point that we do a lot of things. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you for example. Oil exploration, uh, ex, not exploration, but exploration. Oil exploration. Mm-hmm. We do oil refinery. You're Europe, and, and I, I visited, uh, first met you, or visited you up in uh, Edmonton. Uh, so that's kind of where we first met and, and started hanging out there because we came across each other there a few years ago. And so in Alberta, all kind of oil explorations happening. I, I dare say most people don't know that for every barrel of oil that is found and captured and made ready for sale, 10 to 100 barrels of water are displaced. So here we've got all this value put on the oil in, in getting it and extracting it and then running our vehicles with it and everything else. And I like my I love my vehicle, Okay. But the bottom line is we as a society from a consciousness standpoint uh, are putting more value on oil. We're contaminating the water. And when food comes and we have not learned how to convert or restore the natural restorative uh, health-sustaining values of the water that we contaminate, we haven't learned that. And yet we've contented ourselves to simply make money at the at the oil. But when push comes to shove, when you've got to drink something, try drinking that oil. Where is it going to get you? How valuable is water then that is potable, that not just potable, that is health-sustaining? Uh, There's a difference between potability and health-sustaining. Life-sustaining, because mm. you really can't survive without it. Well, see, you can be unhealthy without 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 it. So I, I I'm just acknowledging. Okay. <laughs> you, yeah, I'm just acknowledging where things are. You're absolutely right. Okay. Though. You can't have a quality of life without water of 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 health sustaining quality. And there is a, there are ways to achieve that. And yet, most people who are treating water, you, I'm talking about water treatment methods. Certainly, mm-hmm. the people who are uh, in it for the oil, for example. Uh, for what they can get from it, yeah, I'm not to say that there aren't so super super things or important things that are done from it uh, and with it, but oftentimes much of what's done with it is to do what fuel uh, ships and and planes and stuff that go places that people send to go places and destroy things and kill people. That's what they do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, you need to look at what are we doing with the knowledge that we have, and some someone is is satisfied with those things, but from the standpoint of consciousness, and also from the standpoint of consciousness, it doesn't hold water. It doesn't take you where you where your heart really wants to go. You you want to go to a place where you have enough, and I'm not saying going to a place. I'm talking to an experiential place. That place is wherever you are right now. But when you're sitting wherever you are listening to this, you, I'm, I'm going to take the liberty to speak for you. 
the idea, first of all, is that you want to have enough to do the things that you want to do in life, no matter how much it costs, no matter when, no matter where, you want to have enough to, to do whatever. That's, that's a desire that most people on this planet do not even conceive of consciously. They don't see a way to experience having enough to do whatever you want, when you want to do it, no matter how much it costs. We have all gone, become, mostly become accustomed to, um, I want to say, uh, putting ourselves in a prone position to the gods of money, so to speak. The money that we can that we see that ourselves, uh, that our activities have allowed us to reliably come to us. And so, what do you what, been, what do you yeah. what do you see money at? Like, what do, what does money mean to you in terms of uh, its function uh, in a spiritual sense or or energetic sense or how? Like, what's the what's behind money? that makes it do what it does is it a belief is it a like what is what is what is this what is the power of money well first of all money has money has no power unto itself uh money also we have a conception of money and then there's also the actuality of what it is what money is today is not what money was when i grew up i've been around the sun a few a few more times than you but we are still in the same general thinking of what money was and is and stuff like that. But it was, it was some, it wasn't what it, we thought it was even then. So what is money today? Money today, uh, a lot of people are uh, familiar with the term IP, intellectual property. First of all, money is technology today. It is a technology. It is owned as IP by some people. And it is run and operated by some people, and those. So you mean like it's like, it's like they, it's like copyrighted or patented is what you mean, kind of like. Exactly. When I say IP, I'm talking intellectual property, which is in the domain of something that is patented, that has certain characteristics to it, certain abilities that are associated with it. And gotcha. so, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. I, it, I, I, I'm. I'll be specific. Uh, I won't be vague. You know, there's no need to. Money basically is uh, uh, transitioning. It is in terms of how we use it, how it is um, transferred between entities, so to speak, people to people, corporations to corporations. Doesn't matter. And I will also mention. I, I won't. I won't forget what it actually is, too, in the sense of spirituality. That's a, that's a very important and very fundamental point. But the, the IP that money is and is transitioning into is going to be facilitated. Uh, it's, it's essentially a proxy of value, first of all. However, the people who um, manage manipulate, own, whatever you want to say, this thing called money that's referred to as money, their, uh, their notes are basically proxies of debt. So when you use those debts, which they own and they operate, you are literally creating more indebtedness by the use of it, first of all. Mm-hmm. The other thing is 
the this new quote unquote money, and that's the best way I say it is quote unquote because it, it's not all right. But uh, we'll go with that. This money is um, going to be called smart, and this is where the IP stuff comes in. The smart. But, but what is the new money? You're not you're not saying what the new money is. Like what do you mean? Uh, well, What's it's, the new well money? today we call them doctor uh, dollars. <laughs> Today we call them dollars. Uh, uh, in time, they will be referred to, and not too long from now, at least based on their um, their projections, it'll be referred to as a central bank digital currency. All right, central bank digital Everyone currency. Pays. So C C B D C. Exactly. You can do a search on CBDCs. You'll start finding videos and everything. People talking about central bank digital currencies. There are many conversations about it. There are recordings from some of the central bank members themselves talking about with a great amount of glee the amount of controls that are built into the technology of their IP. And so some of that technology, let's take the smart car um, example because people talk about smart cars and all the smartness that's built into that. But sometimes in order for a technology to appear to be smart, it requires people to either look or act pretty dumb, okay? And so we, yeah. can't, we can't hand our awareness, we hand our discernment over to the technology, we handle our sense of security over to the technology so it can take care of us. Oh, my God, who's telling these stories? But this is what's going on right in front of our faces. In fact, they are addressing people to it. I watched this commercial for these uh, these big, beautiful pickup trucks, and they got this nice little music. They got this nice little uh, uh, beat going on. They got a group going on. They're behind a uh, on a two-lane highway behind a, a, a trailer, and all of a sudden the, something happens. And this thing is moving over and passing on this two-lane road, and the driver is sitting there with his beats. He's, he's doing this and all this stuff. We're supposed to say, that's cool. I want to do that. Let me spend $100,000 for the pickup truck so I can do that too. Anyone? This is God. Make it ring the bell for anyone? So, so the, yeah. in the same similar way the money they're doing the same or are going to do the same thing with money with the cbdc's but what they have uh, are providing see some of the smartness they'll sell the smartness of the truck on its ability to to pass and to drive and to stay in the lane stuff like that and if it uh you know goes through a stop sign and it's a oops well talk to their attorneys okay but you pay the price because you chose it okay we still pay the price if we Take on something that really is not smart for us to be doing, okay? Because gotcha, gotcha. We, in, in the same way that they are pumping AI, artificial intelligence, as going to take over the world, they're telling you about the jobs it's going to it's going to take, and this, that, and the other. And some people are just, oh, and they're just marinating in these patients, as opposed to realizing that you are real intelligence. Gosh, you're going to sit back and be upset over what might an artificial intelligence thing may do, being real intelligent yourself. People are doing it. Yep. 
One thing I'd like to point out uh, for listeners is is uh, CBDC, which is Central Bank Digital Currency. It's basically money in a digital format that allegedly uh, some institutions uh, want us to con- uh, transfer uh, the whole money system over to a new digital money system. And allegedly this this currency is um, this currency is programmable from some central data from some central point. So it'd be like uh, going to the bank, and instead of them giving you cash, they say, "Hey, here's a a digital wallet with digital money, and uh, you can only spend it on groceries. You can only spend it on certain things, and if you even try to buy." things outside of what you're allowed to, it won't let you, or, or we can turn it off, or whatever. We have basically some central database has control over the, how the money is spent and where the money is spent, and it's all recorded. Even geographical. Yeah, they have that going on now. A lot of the seniors have those cards. I forgot what they call them here. And it, it does exactly what you described, Renee. Mm-hmm. I heard in, uh, in um, I might be in Nigeria, in Lagos. I'm not sure if it's Nigeria. I'm pretty sure it is. They've, uh, the, the governing body there, the corporate body, the government or whatever, has introduced the mm-hmm. digital currency and caused massive mayhem because not everyone has access to it. And, and in certain ways, you know, it causes problems with, with trade and barter. Like if, if you want to go to a farmer's market um, uh, and you're not allowed to spend certain money somewhere, how are you going to transfer money over them? How are you going to pay them a dollar for some oranges? It all has to be done through some digital wallet or your phone or some sort of cashless way. And so that, that sort of uh, prevents entrepreneurism or even having your own little uh, side, uh, side gig uh, that, that, that produces uh, wealth and sustenance for your family. Mm-hmm. So it could be, could be, could be problem, uh, troublesome in terms of uh, just operating within the financial world, uh, having to only use the digital funds creates uh, a lot of roadblocks to you getting certain things accomplished. Well, here's, here's, I had an interesting uh, insight, and, and they, come, they come often, quite frankly, but on different things. And uh, one of them is, uh, is a statement that was in the Bible, uh, and the statement basically was to the effect that the love of money is the root of all evil. So that's something I heard many, many years ago. And I'll say this, the, the, the idea actually can create a certain level of conflict within people too. Uh, and in the, with respect to this, this idea of money, as well as the idea of evil, whatever evil is, uh, they're all simply words, but all of them have meaning to everyone who embraces them, whatever reason, to whatever d- deepness they embrace them. But the insight that I received was simply this. The love of money is not the root of all evil. 
first of all. I I don't I don't associate any the, the word love with anything that could be conceived of as evil. First of all, I don't care where it's written from or in. However, the the term, if I were to put and make that term uh, more appropriate as I see it at least today, it would not be the love of money. It would be the need for money. Would be the root of all evil. Because people are doing things that they, they themselves don't even love doing, but they're doing it because they have a need for, and I'll put it this way, their activities, their actions, the knowledge the, that they have gained, the value that they have associated with themselves and they have chosen to retain for themselves and of themselves has made it so that there is a insufficient, a chronic insufficiency of supply of that stuff called money. Okay, first of all, and this is all this is separate from what the people who have the CBDs are doing because this has been going on for quite some time. Uh, the world population went past eight billion uh, people. I'll call them embodied people in November of 2022. And when you look at the, what's referred to, I think it's referred to as a wealth index or something. I, I found a website that kind of took, that kind of uh, categorized or, or comp- uh, compiled all this. However, it turned out that 52% of the domestic wealth of the planet was in the in possession of 1.2% of the population and that amounted to some number of trillions of dollars uh, I maybe 200 some odd trillion something like that but it was 52% of the domestic wealth as it referred to uh, by 1.2% of the population which basically meant that 98 0.8% was holding 48% of the rest of the wealth, of the domestic wealth. That's the stuff that's in your household, it's your cars, it's your homes, it's that stuff. 98, it's as distributed about 98.8% uh, of the population. Now, in the beginning of this conversation, uh, we talked about you know, what's impossible. You can't achieve equality in stuff. And you can't achieve equality of something you already are. We already are equal. So how is it that 1.2% is, got, is doing this and 98.8% is, is doing it not nearly as efficiently? And it really gets down to, uh, gets down to, to uh, behavior, habits, and it's habits of thinking, it's habits of believing, and the activities that are associ- that we associate with them. The universe, if you will, is giving us exactly what we requisition from it, and unless we conceive something different, it ain't going to change its story because we're not changing ours. When we change our story, when we change our sense of what is right and normal and desirable, not, not judging anybody else for what they're doing or what they got, you don't need to pay uh, Rob Peter to pay Paul. 
But if you want to achieve uh, and and be a a magnet for value, you have to value one thing yourself. You have to value your life, your love. You have to value your words. Oh my God, you have to value your words. You have to set, tell a different story about yourself, even when you are living something that you don't like. You've got to see something else, and you've got to make it real. And it happens through our words. And so just like we, we've been bombarded with, with a lot of uh, lies, misinformation, so how you rise above that is not buying and, you know, listening, well, not believing in it is is your way of thinking, not what others are, even if they're lies, and it's not what they are saying, it's how you react to it or how you thinking. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. You have to be your own gatekeeper, and you have to, um, I want to say, protect and love the gates. You need to, you know, in some respects, while it is not evident, when you get to a place where you, you know, on some level, maybe someone is, is distrustful of something. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. You, you said it right off, uh, Beverly. You talked about bombarding. You know, do you notice that the general, um, the, the general, of the information that we are being bombarded with is mm-hmm. almost formally negative, fear-based, yeah. and, uh, yeah. polarizing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And lies. When you look on, so all of yes, that, when you yeah. look at that map of consciousness, you start you can start seeing where those. When you look at the map of consciousness, you are seeing where those types of words and the energies that they engender where they happen to be. All right? And when and yet there is no judgment. We have full free will. So if you decide, well I'm fearful, I'm afraid, I'm this, that and the other and, and frankly, maybe you were sitting there enjoying yourself a moment before and then uh, someone calls you up or you get something on the T V on the radio and it puts it broadcasts this story about this happened, and all of a sudden, your really nice, good feeling that you had right now has just been kind of uh, taken down a few notches. The prime example of that is the news. You could be happy yes. and, and sit there and listen to the news, and they talk about this person was murdered, and this baby was this, and, and it just brings you all the way down if you buy it, you know. Well, okay. it, 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 if you let it, that's right. Ultimately, uh, we are we are consciousness, and I'll I'll use this to talk about the uh, the word wantus first of all, and therefore wantusness. The reason for wantusness, first of all, is the fact that we are that one of the words that can be used to describe life, that can describe you, me, each one of us is consciousness. That's that's one word that can be used that, to describe us. And uh, in the sense that we are connected to all things. Now, the other thing, which is what brought the word consciousness into existence, was another concept that 
also exist, but we as a society do not function from a knowledge of, or an, a recognition of this term. The term is oneness. The idea is, is that everything, everyone is connected, is interconnected. There is no, even though we appear to be discrete units of being, you know, you being you, me being me, etc. underlying it all is a substrate that is fully one thing that is literally and figuratively everything in every when in everywhere. We, at the fundamental point of existence, that is who each of us is, and that's what this thing called existence is. We, as, as you as you, Renee as Renee, me as me, the listeners as the listeners, we each have our own perspective of it. But each one of us is creating a unique life experience that is just as unique as ours, uh, as snowflakes and finger uh, fingerprints, <laughs> fingernails too, I guess. Okay, there is only one as Renee. There's no other. Never was. Never will be. There's no one other life of an atom or a, a Beverly. We are unique, and in our perspective, but we are equal in our ability to create. And and yet we have been told stories. I'm going to tell you. I'll, I'll tell you another story in my in the '60s, because uh, I was puzzled by this. Again, something deep inside knew it wasn't right, but I was still puzzled. So in the, in the late 60s, there was a guy who was uh, received a uh, Nobel Prize. He was uh, one of three recipients in physics. I, it may have been 1967, something like this. This guy's name is William Shockley. You can look all this stuff up. William Shockley received a Nobel Prize, like I said, with these two other guys in physics. And so imagine my perplexity when I see this guy on TV shows. He's now being introduced on, on, on TV shows, and they want to talk about this, that, and the other. And I, I don't know why I saw this uh, particular show, but I did, and I started to watch. And instead of talking about the Nobel Prize and about the transistor and all these other things that was going to, going to, going to be happening, he either wrote a book or he simply uh, put out a position on camera that black people were inferior to, to non-blacks, to whites. This was his talking point on, on, on TV. And, of course, he was a Nobel Prize winner, so this dude was pretty smart. Well, who's going to argue him, huh? <laughs> okay. You, and so I was not angry. I was I I was not even you know my perception of myself didn't change. I knew the guy was was you know he was smoking before it was cool as far as I was concerned. But ultimately, it was still broadcast to a, however many people who were watching this stuff. And so and it, and and I'll tell you this: not to put uh, a white versus black uh, scenario on this. This is not about that whatsoever. I'll take you back some years uh, into baseball 
before Jackie Robinson uh, came into the uh, the major leagues, and there was uh, someone. Uh, I guess there was talk years before that happened about this occurring, and of course the the popular response. People want to do want to be in line with what's popular. So the popular response was, you know, no, no way, et cetera, et cetera. There was this uh, baseball player, his name Lou Gehrig. He, mm-hmm. he was like the Iron Man. He was the picture of health he, and longevity and strength and power. Lou, when someone said something about, uh, you know, not having those people in the major league, Lou Gehrig spoke up. Uh, somewhere, if you do a search, you'll be able to find some quote. You'll find this quote, because I did, and I was, oh, man, that's so cool. This was in the, I think, in the 30s or in the early 40s or something. But he spoke up. He spoke up from conscience. He spoke up from authenticity. And interestingly enough, after that, Lou Gehrig's health started to decline mysteriously. To the point that he had something they now today call Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. Okay, this ain't about white or black. This isn't about anything. This is about people. One, some people wanting to think they got something. Think they're in a catbird seat. Yeah, there are some people who think they're in a catbird seat, and they are doing things that really are against all of humanity. And the thing about it, they've forgotten that they are humanity, too. What they don't know is that what they are doing to others, they are and will be doing to themselves. So I don't have to worry about it. Neither do you. Yeah, so Luke that, X disease, I, I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. So you, you know what you start Go ahead. I, based on what you just said there uh, about people presenting opportunities to you, but there's some sort of condition or some sort of message that they're passing along at the same time. Uh, so, for example, uh, my mother got an invitation to a wedding yesterday. But one of the conditions was is that all the guests of the wedding have in order for you to attend a wedding, you have to be vaccinated. Yeah. And that's, that's, I've never heard that. Oh, wow. What? I've never heard that before. Like, uh, like, I just tell, tell them I would email my uh, my uh, congratulations, and if you can vaccinate it, go right yeah. ahead. But that's as much about it. There you go. <laughs> have you ever heard anything like that before? I've never heard anything like that. Like, that's wild. I was like. Well, it's fascinating to kind of wonder what – see, this is where beliefs occur because when you – if you take the belief in as being fact for you, and so mm-hmm. in that respect, uh, and a person will have to extricate themselves, they will one way or another have to step back out of the falsehood. So if you don't go in, mm-hmm. you don't have to step back out. You know, you will retrace That's... your steps in consciousness is what, I, what I'm saying. And so consciousness in terms of evolution of, of consciousness, expansion, etc., 
doesn't really, it's not a linear thing. It will go in the direction of the choice you make because there is no real time, so to speak. Uh, there, there is simply consciousness and there are the experiences that we can create. And I will say it's the breadth and quality of experiences that we can create when we have undistorted information. When we take in distorted information as gospel, now as creators, I'm, I'm using the word creators. You could say as gods, we are gods. In the same sense, we are spirits. We are creating our physicality, but we are not physical. Our physicality is, is there for our purposes of motation and interaction at this particular station that you might consider a reality. Uh, again, and don't consider – I'm going to quote the Bible here and there, but I'm not a, a religious person. I don't, I don't uh, subscribe to anyone. It doesn't matter to me, but if, I'll take it from anywhere. But the talk about mansions, there are, you know, uh, well, hell, Shakespeare, I think, talks about many mansions too. For that matter, mm-hmm. in today's languaging, we would refer to them as dimensions. They still, you know, yeah. languaging, it, they, they're all over. We're using these words and not knowing their meaning and therefore using them in a meaningless way. And most people are creating meaningless life experiences as a result of it. There's no love in it. If there's no love in what you're doing, you're creating and living a meaningless life. So is the creation is the creation in the thought or is it in the speaking of the thought? Uh neither. The creation neither. is okay. the, the creation is in the desire of the creator. You are not your thought, you're not your speaking or anything else. However, when you think, when you do think, when you choose what you resonate with what you allow within your consciousness, and when you choose your feelings about it, uh, pro or con, now you have embodied it as part of your consciousness. It's part of your vibration. And based on the intent, that's also you. The words and the thoughts, they they have no polarity to them. But based on your intent is this is how you begin to color all of those things, your words, your thoughts, your and then also your actions. You then you you can turn just by changing those things, specifically your intent, your intentions, from a negative. You if, uh, most people are automatically stuck on negative. They 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 are conditioned to think if I haven't heard about it, or if I haven't heard about it on TV or something like that. Or if my favorite actor or actress hasn't played a part about it where I formed an opinion, okay, not to mention how much they made of your value in doing that, then people are going to be negative. And so ultimately you have to decide, well, excuse me, I'm going to decide at the very, very least neutrality. At the very, very least being neutral to new ideas where you simply open and you listen and you consider what someone is saying to you. You don't have to be pro or con to it. You can be neutral. But then once you've been enough in and decide for yourself that there is value or no value to this, 
there is benefit or harm to this, then you make the decision because ultimately, unless you do those things, someone else will already have made your decision for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, I'll interject for a second. I was uh, at a trade show uh, many, many years ago, and um, I, I know both of you know what I do, but the audience doesn't know. And, and I'm an inventor. I'm a scientist, and I invent all sorts of technologies that help improve everyday products. So I invented these, this particular type of uh, magnet that I've in, embedded with many different frequencies. And the magnet acts like a transmitter and a receiver of information, almost, almost like a radio station broadcasting a signal. And the signal, when you, when you put these magnets on your vehicle, it basically communicates with your vehicle and make sure the atoms and electrons move harmoniously within your vehicle. So it basically yes, makes your vehicle more I'm efficient on an on atomic scale. So I was at a trade show, and this, this uh, mechanic and engineer came, and he said, what is this? And I explained to him the technology, and he said, well, I haven't heard of this before. And I said, well, that's because you're not omniscient. You're like, you, don't, you don't know, like, there's 8 billion people. I mean, it's not, it's not like you're reading everyone's mind to see what's, what's new every day. He said, well, why isn't this not on TV? And uh, I said, well, well why, why should it be on TV? Well, well, if it works and does what you say it should, it should be everywhere. So, and I haven't heard of it, so it's bullshit. And I said, it's bullshit. Well, you haven't even asked me how, how it even operates yet. But you, you, you haven't even inquired as to how it operates. So how do you know it's bullshit? Well, because I, it's not on TV. If it's not on TV, it's bullshit. Those are his words. I was like, what? Like, like, like interesting logic. Like, there, like, there was no interest in even getting to know or understand the technology. There was already a, a preconceived notion because they didn't hear about it. And apparently, maybe in their mind, all new technologies in the world must be run by them first for them to approve whether it's real or not. And because they haven't heard about it, it's fake. So, yeah, I, it's funny how a person's attitude can can basically shut them down from higher understanding. Like, yeah, and that's pretty much what you're saying there. Yes, and the thing is, we create walls uh, uh, by this, and you could say these these are also there there there's electrical there's electromagnetic uh, properties and uh, principles at at play here, but they are oh, on sure. an experiential level. So a person that's in this negative attitude by default. Uh, their their polarity has been essentially uh, they've been repolarized and it's default uh, in this negative space. Well, and and you can say negative not from a judgmental standpoint, but let's just say a chaotic versus a harmonious state. And the point is, the experiences that they will say they want or they seek will which are harmonious uh, will elude them. It's kind of like uh, being up in uh, the northern uh, 
countries like Iceland or something where you can see the northern lights and stuff and where you can have an experience with the northern lights. And yet if, if, you, if you're still, you have a better possibility of them coming towards you uh, yet, if you are a, what you want to want to lunge at it, or you want to grab it, or you're anxious, you're going to be of an energy that actually will be like a field that pushes it away. And so we push negative, we push harmonious experiences away from us when we are negative. And even if we want to, uh, I know a lot of people that want to change the world. They have great technologies. They've got new ideas and stuff like that. But they have struggled and struggled. They don't have the means, financial means to, uh, to acquire or to move forward with what they want to do. And they will blame oftentimes their lack of money. They don't consider themselves their own attitudes or their own actions as a contributing factor mm-hmm. in their not having enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. That's huge. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll blame the one, they'll blame the organization. They'll It always will be someone else. See, so ultimately we have to be big enough and willing enough to acknowledge the negative crap that we have put out as the main reason for the negative crap that has come to us. And so if, if and when we start initiating harmonious activities, initiating the attributes of courage, initiating persistence, uh, initiating, uh, I, I want to say, a belief in oneself, you know, I mean, ultimately, when someone is, doesn't want to do something to their, uh, to their benefit, it underscores or it exposes uh, a self-esteem that is at an ebb, okay? Without judging anyone, we, we should not be judging folks for anything, but we should acknowledge when you, if you can't stay or won't stay at a place, if your word doesn't mean anything and you're explaining what you, what I meant, or you, you got all these excuses and stuff like that. This is low self-esteem. When you when you are confident, when you are actually, I want to say, um, you could say proud, even though proud is below uh, uh, courage in the the map of consciousness. Still, it's in that direction. Okay, so when someone is proud they probably have been a lot less than that before. So it's in the right direction. And the thing about it, we're going to be somewhere on that matrix at all times. The, 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 the important thing is where do you consciously set yourself to the extent that you habituate these higher levels? Because instead of being going to enlightenment, this is not about enlightenment. That's one of the places why the map of consciousness became something of its own, uh, I won't say independent, but uh, certainly interdependent of the of Dr. Hawkins' map of consciousness. Uh, his had a logarithmic scale and uh, from 20 to 1,000, and 20 was guilt and grief and stuff, and 1,000 was enlightenment whatever enlightenment is. And yet, uh, so the map of consciousness not only 
talking about the oneness and not talking about embodying and incorporating the oneness of all within all. It's it's embedded within its its framework. And so that's what brought a new word together to bring oneness and consciousness together knowingly. We've always been one. We've always been consciousness. We've been unknowing of both, okay, because <laughs> we've been thinking of enlightenment as, well, I'm going to be able to walk on water. Maybe I can walk into a dark room and light it up without, you know, without turning on the light switch. You know, people got all their ideas about what enlightenment is, but ultimately it's still an act. You know, are you acting like an angel? Are you acting like this? Or, you know, the, ultimately it's about being yourself and discovering that who and what you are is pretty darn cool. We are amazing beings with amazing abilities that we are using perfectly but with imperfect understanding. Our understanding is in error. So one of the things that I tend to do with, uh, with words as well is I do some arithmetic and because in one respect, and I'll show you before even saying this, how the the um, the feeling and the energy of a word changes. Okay, so I'm putting that out there beforehand. So whether it does or not, you can tell me. All right, but I'll mm-hmm. tell. Uh, we, we, we know the word terror and terrorist. Okay, and terrorism and all that stuff that goes along with that word. It's been thrown around, thrown around, etc. It's been used to channel. Uh, I don't know if I say untold, but to channel trillions and trillions of dollars into specific areas for that alone. Trillions of dollars that could have been used, that could be used to fix infrastructure. We've got uh, interstate highways collapsing here in in the state. We've got all kind of things going on. We have 600,000 people who do not have a place they call home in this in the US alone presently and that number is going up and that word is in consciousness of more than 600,000 people and more and more people are thinking or they are acting and behaving in such a way to put themselves on the other side and in the actuality of that experience too and nonetheless they got this word terrorism and blah, 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 blah. But if I do some math, if we do some math on that word terror or terrorism, and you just go up and look at that T and you take it out, you say terrorism <laughs> minus T gets you what? Error. Error. Yes. Error. Error. Terrorism. Yes. Yes. Error. People are erroring in their judgment and in their use of their power there's a thing uh there's a thing uh, they talked about also in the bible where jesus was on the cross and they they poked him and stuff and and then he apparently said the father forgive them for they know not what they do and the point basically is it's an error in judgment and thinking and what they don't know See, I would add something to that sentence. So Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they know not what they do. I would add to that sentence as an addendum. Mm-hmm. If you knew 
that there's an interconnectedness to everything and to everyone, and what you do to someone else, you do to yourself, guess what? You'd rethink what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are society. Yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to say that we're not thinking, but more rethinking, more conscious rethinking is in order, and it will be, it'll benefit each person that does. Yeah. Last night, um, I had a little contemplation. I was uh, relaxing, and I, uh, I asked the universe, I said, uh, or basically just made a sort of a statement in my mind that uh, what what causes, what is the cause of, um, what is the cause of perception? Like what, if I'm seeing a television in front of me or uh, I'm going for a bike ride and I'm seeing cars and drive by, like what is causing me to see shapes and, 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 and identify them? And it was, the answer came immediately to me. And the answer was, Meaning, when you apply meaning to anything, that's that's what gives life to that experience or to that object or that concept or anything. Without meaning, there's no story. And if there's no story, then there's no particular, there's nothing particular to identify. So meaning... Meaning equals expectation. The moment you have a meaning, you also have an, ex- an expectation of some sort. And that causes an infant stress because what if the expectation or the meaning is not uh, experienced in the way that we want to? Like if I, want, if I am married to my wife, hypothetically, and I come home and I expect her to be my wife and still be home, but instead she's moved away. Like that's that expectation or the meaning has is not being met. So it's 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 a little meanings and expectations uh, desire to be uh, fulfilled, and if they're not fulfilled. And that causes a major uh, word cognitive dissonance. So, how the meaning that we do apply has the meaning that we apply to every moment is our actual experience of that moment, because that's the meaning. That's what that moment means to you. So, if we, by what you're saying, if we apply certain meanings that are not beneficial to us, then we're going to be experiencing continual unfavorable circumstances because we're, we are applying meanings that are unfavorable to ourselves or to reality in, in, in general. So, for example, when, when sort of the, the COVID whole situation came, came around, there was this symbolism being portrayed in the media that a face without a mask is dangerous. So if you see a maskless face, danger, danger, danger. So our mind can pick up on that meaning and say, oh, that's right, no mask, danger. So then it's 
it's sort of anchored in the mind or programmed into the mind that anytime I see someone without a mask, danger. And and if we believe that or latch on to that or take on that idea, then we're then we're we are introducing a, a new element of danger into our life just by believing that a maskless face is dangerous. So I could see how how we are programmed with meanings that we ourselves didn't even come up with. It'd be, it'd be one thing if we came up with the meaning ourselves, but for the most part, um, it seems that most of humanity is taught what things mean. Like mm-hmm. if you see a picture of a bird, then that means it's, it's, it, the bird can fly, it's, it has, a, you know, has these certain attributes, and that's it. There's, there's, there's nothing else. So we sort of say, okay, I, I guess... I guess that's what it means, and I and I don't need to discover it myself. I'll just take what you say as gospel. So, basically, when we're giving when we're given meanings, then we don't take the time to explore that. We we just take it as face value, and we and we we have no need to apply our own imagination or our own perception to that to that issue. And so we're basically just like. It's like hypnosis. Someone is basically telling us yes. what, what something means, and then we just sort of say, okay, and now, and now we see that everywhere we go, and there's no way to stop it unless we change the meaning or remove the meaning from our mind. And we're not taught in the world, like we're not taught in, at, at school how to unbelieve something. We're not taught how to, how to detach from meanings or how to, how to deconstruct meanings. We're just told what things mean, and how to add more of that, or or how to add more beliefs, but we're never told how to unbelieve something, because well, what and, if you believe and, something that's dangerous? Then yeah, then then you knowing how to unbelieve it is very important. Education conditions you to actually learn those stimuluses and responses. They they encourage you to pick up without any critical thinking. It's almost as though children uh, aren't able to be critical thinkers themselves. You know, if they're asking too many questions, they become problematic and they become subjects to get get riddling and other types of things. As a, uh, but so educational system as it presently is, as well as and in conjunction with the injection mm-hmm. system, where if you want to get into well, they've gone beyond if you want to get into a, a Public school, when I was coming up, if you had to uh, uh, didn't have the means to be in a, uh, a private school and you had to go to a public school, you had to take your injections. And, and so they've gotten to a point where that's, that's not enough either. You might uh, take note that these policies are insatiable. They can never be satisfied in the same way that the national indebtedness, for example, the national debt of the, of the United States is 30-some-odd trillion dollars now and continuing to rise, rising beyond conversation except when they have to come up and talk about raising a debt ceiling, okay, so that, so that they can appear to look uh, responsible. They want all of the citizens to be responsible 
They want to know everything the citizens got, everything they're coming they got coming in because they want the citizens, they want their piece of everything you do and everything you get and everything you earn. That's what they think they ought to have. On the other hand, on the CBDCs, they literally, even if you don't aren't paying your quote unquote taxes or this that or the other, they can, they have it will have the intelligence. Uh, I won't call it intelligence, but you know what I'm saying. The, this, the, the ability to put out a light or make an alert or something like that so that they can literally turn off your ability to send it anywhere else but to them. This is the people. This is, this is not a government. These are people who are in those positions that we think of as government. When you think of it as a government, then it's some institution. It's a big thing. And you know that in addition to that, they have conditioned us to think to create corporations of ourselves, fictional um, mm-hmm. uh, entities. So you got yeah. one fiction working with a, with another fiction. So they don't care. None of it is real. That's right. Yeah. But we have to be real. You still yeah. have to be yourself. And when when stuff ain't right, I'm going to uh, respect your show and not say things in words that I normally might <laughs> use in these situations. But you know what I mean. Be and a, so when things are not, <laughs> I am, and it's working out just fine. When things aren't right, we have never lost the ability or the power of no, to say no, no, not this. You know, we have been taught to focus on personalities and not on principles. So people get around and they debate over this guy and that guy, who's going to be leading this or what party. Of personalities, parties are another, just a, a, a collective personality. But now you're this personality, you're this group. There's groupism going on, but no one is pre- bringing forth principles that actually matter, that actually help life, that help everyone, and, and without any apologies, first of all. And I am going to say something, too, uh, to your audience, because I find myself saying things I haven't heard anyone else say, but I'm going to say this. Here, relative to this whole thing about uh, injections, it, it and and because I know I'm going to record, I want to record or download this or whatever, so I got it, so it is available. But here's the mm-hmm. deal: the the, the act of uh, doing injections started around the very end of the mm-hmm. uh, 16th century, which was 1700s, the beginning of the 19th century, like 180 something in England. Mm-hmm by a guy named Edward Jenner, all right? And the guy came up with this idea in response to smallpox. People were getting smallpox, and what they were doing is they were using the, um, the human material from a smallpox person, and someone else would basically, um, I want to say there's a term, like when you take uh, cocaine, what is that word? Uh, it's not snuff, uh, snort. <laughs> okay. They, okay. They called it, they, yeah, they, they snorted it. Okay. They, they called it variolation. But that's what they would do. But the supply of material was, um, you know, rare, you know, because you needed a person with it to actually get some of this stuff so they can be given to someone else. Now, people didn't understand that by the time that stuff was coming out the body, the immune system had already gotten hold of the situation 
and was healing. That stuff that was coming out the body was the crap that that person had already put in by whatever means. And the other thing that was interesting about this is that when that happened, when people got uh, smallpox and all that stuff happened that they were all in arms over, afterwards, that person was healthy of many things. They had great health. Their body had literally kicked out a whole bunch of crap. It was kind of like Jesus with the money changers in the temples. He kicked mm-hmm. the money changers out, and, and you know, they, they probably got pissed at him over that. But ultimately, the immune system had kicked all this crap out, and they, didn't, they, had, they were free of many other conditions because of it. The people who passed from smallpox were the ones to which their bodies could not get the crap out. Okay, so I'm just just saying that before I fast forward. Mm-hmm. My point is that Edward Jenner got the great idea uh, that um, cow pox would be pus. as effective of a substitute. So, so pus from cows could be used to inject when they had smallpox. And so this was going to be a super idea, super way to do what? generate income because they weren't concerned about the uh, the condition per se they were looking at this as a way to build and uh, uh, generate revenue and so people who were who received this information this this this, uh, vaccine is what that's why they call it vaccine cows and vaca somehow that has to do with cows and so people who would receive this vaccine, they would charge 20, uh, 18 pence. And if you didn't, you could have it. They could have 10 people there who had smallpox. If, if one of them had 18 pence, they got the vaccine. The others, you know, screw you. All right? Mm-hmm. That was the mindset. And the point, basically, it has progressed since then. Because, in fact, it, in, in Jenner's case, Jenner tried this on one or both of his kids. Uh, his son, his son passed, he died. Uh, he didn't su- uh, um, survive this, or he, he died as a result of it. The science did not support what he said, but the, the Crown did, they didn't care. If this was a good idea, they gave him the 10,000-pound uh, honorarium, I guess they call it, and I think they gave him another one later for 20,000 pounds. In, in 180-something, 10 or 20,000 pounds is a whole bunch of money, mm-hmm. okay? But he was paid because of that. And then you got, you mm-hmm. got um, fast forward, you know, 70 years or so, you had Louis Pasteur who took that to another level by developing um, and supporting what was referred to as germ theory. Which is also, and I, I don't know if uh, uh, what's his name Darwin had anything to do with germ theory per se. He was survival of the fittest. That's another concept. The uh, the the concept and the laws of nature have to do not with the survival of the fittest, but the thrival of of the cooperative of people and beings. Cooperative life is a cooperative activity, and survival of the fittest is a low form of cooperation, which we call competition. And we as a society, we have our, our consciousness has been, um, I want to say, 
corrupted to, su- to some extent that, for example, i give you an example, uh, comedians. We love our comedians. They stand in front of us and lie to us. They tell us things that, are, one, we know aren't true, but sometimes they stand in front of you and tell you some vile stuff. And yet, because people around you are laughing, you laugh too. You went there. You, you paid the money. You Here's some of your value that you've handed over to come listen to this person or to watch this person and to laugh. And to get some people get to a place, oh, well, there's nothing to it, but then they're laughing. But the words have no consciousness about what it means and, and what's going on there. If we were spending nearly as much time searching for and only allowing in that which is true as we do of searching for stuff, searching for dirt on people, uh, wanting Mm -hmm. to uh, occupy our minds with what someone else is doing, uh, how much money they're making. I I remember when I was a kid and I was listening how these, these baseball players, basketball players, Oh, they're making this amount of millions of dollars. They're making amount of, the, amount of this, and and it was never enough. Never, never no. enough. But the next one they got to get more. Next one they got to get more. Oh, I got to get more because that one got more. And there was never enough. It's insatiable. And in the meantime, no. what value is being done in or for society? You see how our minds no. have been just flipped. Yeah. Now, we're getting uh, down at time now, but I do want to open up the phone lines because people do have questions for you and comments. But before I open up the line, I want to say if we go over, you still will be able, you won't be able to hear us on the Internet, and you can dial in 323-642-1586. Push number one if you have a question or comment. But with the uh, recording of the show, you will be able to hear the questions also. So uh, before I open the lines up, can you tell uh, the people your website again, you and Renee? Um, Adam Abraham? Yeah, the the site uh, we're putting... Uh, books and some other information on it's called loveishome.co and you will mm-hmm. see that it's a it's a baby site there's baby information there but it's growing and the other mm-hmm. one is my uh my water enhancement technology i call them vortex generators and that website is presidentwater.co Okay. Every day, what is your website? Yeah, my website is is it's a Inner Soul Technologies, but it's it's shortened to Inner Soul Tech. So that's I N N E R S O U L T E C H Inner Soul Tech dot com, and my YouTube channel is uh, YouTube dot com. And then uh, the search for Inner Soul Tech is, again. And then on uh, uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, you can reach me mm-hmm. at Renee Hamilton. That's R-E-N-E Hamilton. And you'll see my nickname highlighted. The nickname is Star Child, like um, 
stars in the sky, star child. Okay. And so uh, that's how you can reach me. And on, a, on my website, you can also go to the contact page, and there's my uh, further information there, email and phone number and all that kind of stuff. So that's it. Great. It's all good. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to open up the lines here. Uh, let's see. 773-895. you have a question or a comment? More of a comment. First of all, okay. thank you for the show. Ms. Bev, and greetings to you and um, Brother Abraham and uh, Brother Renee. Um, yeah, pleasure. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you because you <laughs> – I'm really vibing with what you said tonight. It's interesting because um, well, you were, really struck a, um, struck a chord with me when you were talking about the, um, the equity factor. And then that yes. made me um, think of what came to mind was this whole diversity, equity, inclusion thing that a lot of these so-called politicians are actually signing bills for. And yep. that also falls under what you call the COVID-19, the Great Reset. It is actually a, a book written, written about it, you know, dealing with diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, ESG, the electric cars, and all this other stuff. And it really had me thinking while you, um, while you were talking earlier. And I said, wait a minute. So if we're already equal people, especially as individuals, why does somebody have to sign a bill to make them become equal, which doesn't compute to me? <laughs> you know, and it makes sense. Now, I um I just I live in Tennessee now. I just relocated from um Chicago a few months ago and was interesting by being down here. Um eighty percent of the time the internet, um television, um cell phone signal, none of that stuff works down here, especially like on a on a day or a night where it rains or you get a good a wind blow. But what's interesting I guess that this is where, um, in terms of changing my perception of what's around me really kicks in. That doesn't really bother a lot of the people down here because, like I said, this is the South. You know, how people move and everything is totally different as opposed to what they did in Chicago. And it's one <laughs> thing I have to get adjusted to, and which is not a bad thing. A lot of the people down here are more interpersonal, meaning that, you know, you you don't see a whole lot of people walking around with cell phones and stuff. I impose maybe the younger people, but people actually get in your face, but not in a bad way, good way, good morning, good evening, how you doing, and they actually have conversations with people. And yep. I've had a lot of people tell me down here, especially like parents and grand people who are parents and grandparents, like when they have they, their um, children open for different gatherings, the first thing they do before they walk in the door, they take their cell phones away from them. You're going to put them over there somewhere in the corner. You're going to go back out here in the, in the pool, swim, or go on the farm, go down in the farm. You're going to actually play. You're going to interact with nature. You're going to actually have some fun and kind of like give that technology stuff a break because are you basically doing, if I'm saying this right, it's like you, you're letting that stuff, that this technology in some ways, it sucks out your spirit, your soul, and, and your consciousness where you – it doesn't have to be that way. 
So um, yeah. I know you have other callers, you know, and um, thanks for taking my call, and I appreciate the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for that. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Born and raised in Chicago, too. So I escaped uh, uh, in 1970-something for, for California, but uh, I am happy to be from Chicago. All right. The Windy City, uh, 706-202. Good evening, Sister Beth. Good evening, Kwame. Hey, what's up? Good evening. Hey. Uh, Good evening, Brother Kwame. And you brought up some interesting topics. And the one topic I got to know, it's kind of like a twofold thing. I know there's a book called The Mystery of Philadelphia by Ross Ben. And what Ross Ben has in that is when the 1700s when the smallpox epidemic hit Philadelphia and a lot of people were lost. They had the Haitians there and what the Haitians had already experienced having smallpox that, like you said, they would take the and they would rub the people down in order to create the antibodies in the body. So the other people wouldn't get it. And that was the part in which the, person that you talked about went back to England and took the concept of what the Haitian, because what they had had, they had smallpox. And even in the continent, they knew that if they took the pus of the animal or the pus of the person that that had the infection, you put that infection on the person. And what you do is the, the skin absorbs it and creates the antibodies and the immunity for the person, not just smallpox. And the other part that you you spoke on meaning, and I was hoping that I was going to hear you speak to it because, yeah, you gave all the definitions and the part of understanding what the word mean means is you split the word in half, me and, whatever it is that you're dealing with, me and. That's what the word says, me and education, me and science, me and Religion is what you interpret from self and whatever it is that you're being presented with. And so these are the ways in which I've learned and you to take in and get the frequency because we're in a battle now on with what I have to talk about is DI here on TI versus AI. Divine intelligence on Turtle Island versus artificial intelligence. And this is the challenge that we're doing the frequency of consciousness because of the biophotons of the human being black we are. Your phone is kind of messing up. Okay, let me see. Now, is that better? Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I just have to go to the door because I've got uh, Wi-Fi and it's been thundering and lightning and it's so it kind of messes with the frequency. The thing that I'm I'm overstanding is that we're in we're we're in a challenge right now, and I, I commend both of you in helping in the products and the things and technology and the knowledge that you've created. And when Shockley was was coming up with, I think it was the bell curve. 
Did you yeah. ever see uh, front line? Front line was it front line or fire line? With uh, when him and and Francis Cress Wilson, she she tore him up with 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 what his book was about, and and the part of him having that part of he wasn't a geneticist, so but he had this thing that he he had his intellectual racism. And so mm-hmm. the part that they argued, she she defended, you know, what he had written, and he wasn't able to prove in the in the time that they did that show. So that was good that you brought him up because we're still right now in this 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 whole thing with with AI and this artificial intelligence because it's not real, and the part that we're doing is is having to go back and look at divine intelligence. Divine intelligence is just like if we have plants. We have plants and trees, everything. The plant communicates can communicate with us. It knows our thoughts and frequency, but we if we could tune ourselves like George Washington Carver did, we could tune into the frequency of those plants and have a communication of being able to get the necessary frequency of nutrition that we're needing to get us through this because that plant carries the medicine and it carries the DNA and the ancestral record of the earth, you know, and, and on earth, when we say on earth, we're talking about one art when you split the word O N E A R T. What we're having to do is to change the frequency and, and what we make with the words. And this is where it's very powerful because it says in John 1, what is it? It talks about the in the beginning was the word, the word was God, was with God, and the word was God. Word was God, right. And looking at words, because we're dealing, I'm going to cut it short after this, because we're looking at two things, the the children, and that's a girl and a boy. And a girl stands for a gifted individual Reproducing love. That's what a girl is. She's already carrying eggs to reproduce the next life and then produce the next love. And the boy is is to build of yets. Those yets that a boy can learn to do and becoming a man, the yets of possibilities are always there. And we have to understand we went from Jim Code, I mean from Jim Crow to Jim Code. And this is what they're using, the codes and the algorithm. And the gem stands for both with justified infecting minds. That's what they're doing. They want to justify infecting our minds. And then they come up with these codings controlling our divine energy. This is what they're doing in creating these codes and these algorithms and using these frequencies to distort the consciousness that's coming from above and that's coming from the earth and the emission from the earth and our relatives. So I thank you for, you know, sharing that information. And, you know, we got work to do. Thank you so thank much. You, um, thank you, Kwame. Thank you. For sure. Respect. Mm-hmm. All righty. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, do this again because I, I still have questions uh, that I want to ask, too. But what is those numbers that's on the scale, the 700 and the 1,000? Are those megahertz? So what are those numbers representing? No. So first of all, 
on the map of consciousness, uh, it's from 20 to 1,000. And mm-hmm. you might call it um, an, an energetic value. Uh, it, it's, it's associated, it's a relative uh, value of one's, uh, of that place in consciousness. Therefore, and, and from one number to the next, uh, say from 20 to 30, at the bottom is 20, which is like grief uh, or shame. One of those two at the bottom and the next mm-hmm. one is the other, shame or grief. So one is 20 and one is 30. And so to say that what you're saying is that there is some energy, there's some weight and it, it, to each of those numbers. And as you move up the scale, you are gaining more. You, most, you're moving toward what's referred to generally as enlightenment. Okay, that's mm-hmm. the point. Uh, and, and what is enlightenment? Enlightenment is a, is a degree of awareness. In addition to the degree of awareness, I'm going to say a spiritual freedom. You're 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 in a real, real, deep, narrow, constrained hole relative to the variety of experiences, particularly desirable experiences, and your ability to create them. If a person is sitting around, zero on that scale would be what we consider death because you have no ability to do virtually anything in a conscious way. So, so ultimately, the goal of the map of consciousness as well as the map of consciousness is to change your position, consciously change your position on that scale. And the number itself is not a linear increase. So 20 to 30, 30 to 50, like sphere, on his scale is 100. And most people, as I was saying earlier, most people's consciousness is already deal, dialed in to a fearful state. They default to fear. So that's like mm-hmm. 100, okay? And then, uh, but where is love? Love is 500. Okay, courage is 200. And But the numbers are not, like 100 to 200 is not twice. 200 is not twice 100 on the scale. 200 is okay. like uh, 200 times something, like 200 to the 10th or something like that. I mean, it's, 200 is much, much greater. So you're, you're having a logarithmic increase. Every time you move yourself, you're consciously moving up the scale. Now, the difference with the map of consciousness, and that's why it um, uh, engendered its own name, is because once I created all that, I mean, I, I originally saw the map of consciousness in a circular fashion with I am in the middle. Now, uh, the caller that just, uh, we just talked to, and he talked about the me and, it's fascinating that I am is at the center of that, uh, of, of the map of consciousness, of the, of the map of consciousness. And because mm-hmm. it reinforces the idea that anything that you associate the words I am to is, all right? Uh, and, and so, therefore, when you say I am feeling this, or, and you can say other, um, other, uh, uh, types or other types of ex- ways of expressing it, saying that, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is happening or that or it's going on, etc. It still is I am perceiving this in this way and this is, these are, this is the nature of what I am perceiving. 
So essentially, when we create that, when we say that, we we confirm that as a part of our experience. Let's say this: Who has ever heard anyone say, you know, you know, you never heard, you never said it yourself, but who who have not heard someone say, "I am my own worst critic." Yeah, or worst. Have you ever heard yeah. someone say mm-hmm. that? Well, here, here, yeah. here's the go. They're telling a truth about themselves. They may say something else. They may say, oh, gee, I, you know, I take two steps forward, I take one back. Or they mm-hmm. may take one back and make one forward and two steps back. They are outlining and describing their modality of experience, how they do are doing and experiencing life. When you put that in the present tense, in your words, even if it's not happening right now, you are setting the stage for it happening somewhere in your life. There is a, and typically when you most want it, want it, don't want it to happen, when you, for example, you're going to take a trip and you, you just expect something wrong was going to happen. Do you remember Murphy and the laws that Murphy yeah. used to come up with? You know, yeah. who planted those ideas to expect something wrong to occur? even when it didn't occur. And so here's, here's our medical system uh, in, in having folks take all these damn injections because Murphy somewhere is saying, you know, you're going to get this, that, and the other if you don't take this. Now, they don't say today that you're going to get this, this, that, and the other if you do take this crap, okay? The point basically is that these none of these things are in the here and now, and ultimately – we have an immune system that uh, uh, our, our, your caller, you know, he talked about divine intelligence. And I love that. He talked about artificial intelligence. I love that. I refer to it as supreme intelligence. It's, but ultimately, mm-hmm. the artificial is still artificial. It's still not real. And the danger that they are telling us to do this for is a danger that's not clear, nor present, nor here, nor now. And so why would we adulterate our amazing, intelligent, supremely intelligent immune system and capable immune system with essentially crap to, to be a, a protector from some, something that we may not have that we actually already know is no big deal? Mm-hmm. So we've created, we've allowed ourselves to be talked in to some amazing uh, charades by people that we still respect because we've watched, you know, I used to watch Marcus Welby and Dr. Kildare, and and then uh, you had, uh, what's this, that guy, uh, uh, this, this, uh, this doctor who was, who was caught on uh, or addicted to drugs, and I can't think of his name right now. And you know, people have watched all this stuff. The, the actors, what were they doing? They're simply reading scripts that someone has wrote them. But we have put the reality to it in our minds, and then we go on living it into our lives. Yeah, I was yeah. I was raised uh, on all natural. Um, Herbs and and uh, minerals and plant roots growing up as as medicine. Uh, my mother did not bring me to the hospital for flu or cold or fever. 
She gave me natural herbs my whole life. I've only had one prescription pill in actually twice in my, my life, and that was for when I had a surgery. And that's it. No prescriptions, nothing in my whole life. Uh, so I've been very fortunate to not have to participate in that system. Here's the, here's the thing. We have been led to believe that we can't do for ourselves unless we take their stuff and their advice. And in addition to that, so first of all, nature does have solutions to all uh, issues and matters. You know, ultimately we need to, we get out of balance in some kind of way. We need to restore that balance. But before we restore that balance, we need to know that balance is necessary to <laughs> to fix it. You see, there are levels of consciousness and there are levels of progression to it. But ultimately, it's for each person to to look for it. When I uh, when um, uh, Renee and I first met, uh, and I came up to Alberta, uh, it was in part to meet with some people who were selling a product that uh, was helping people to fix a lot of their issues that they were having. There were health issues that and it, this solution didn't cost didn't, didn't cost much and it was readily available. And it was fascinating the day I uh, I visited one guy who was selling this product and I arrived there on the very day that they received a letter from Health Canada telling them to stop selling this stuff. Okay. Hmm. I mean, yeah. it's like the memo was going out around the world that this stuff was helping people, and to the point, you know, I said the need for money was the root for all evil. This mm-hmm. issue is about the it's the concept of need of anything, because mm-hmm. ultimately, it was a, the 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 folks who were sending that letter had a need for people to continue to need them. And to look for exactly. that, and we were making information available to them that was freely available for them. I created, I, I produced a documentary film on it, uh, and other things, and I did a lot of videos on it too. And there was just too much uh, on my site for them to to go through each and do the due process. I got I got two letters, one a complaint, the second one it was a notice that my site was gone. So the point is, there is a desire for people to be in the need of the people who are running these systems. See, this is people of people, nature, government. These are people, men and women who have been trained a a situation. They create the corporation to stand behind, to get behind. Ultimately, it's still people. you got to know it's people doing this crap. It's not government. It's people doing it. Yeah. You know what? Uh, yeah. Just to interject something on, on a spiritual level to do with that. Oh, at one point in time, I there was a person who I was in contact with, and this person was uh, possessed, for lack of a better term. So I was talking directly to a dis a disincarnate entity to this person, and this this entity acknowledged that they had dead control over this person. So uh, this this entity started talking to me and telling me about all these different things he likes to do, like kill people and eat their brains and do all this other stuff. And at one point, um, I started to get tired of what this uh, being was saying, and and I uh, told it, you know, like I'm I'm out of here. And this being 
freaked out and kept on yelling, you need me, you need me, you need me. And just kept on saying that, like some mind control, like there's a need for some of the, for some type of consciousness to to get attention. There's a need for it in, in their eyes. And, and when you and when you said earlier that these there's there's a certain people or entities who who need us to need them, that reminded me of that of that of the entity who who wanted me to to need that being and and it was almost like a desperate plea for attention or something. I don't know what it was, but it was it was pretty interesting. So I just thought I'd put that out there because perhaps that's a, a universal sort of um, uh, behavior of that type of consciousness that, that is parasitical per se. I think what you're saying is, is super Renee and uh, it brings up something and two things. One that I didn't, you asked a question about value and it's, it's related to all of it. And it also, when I talk about consciousness and oneness and the concept that the word consciousness, along with the oneness aspect of it, um, includes is the fact that there is no such thing as as death as we per- presently conceive of the term. We tend to think and we tend to act out, though the exiting from association with our form, with our physical form, actually is the the ending of uh, our existence, or at least may be the end of our existence. If you go to and you 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 deal with uh, you know your higher institutions as as they think of themselves, they'll sit around and have all these conversations of asking the question: Is there life after death, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. From where I at least sit today, there is no such thing as death because there's no thing, no such thing as the end of consciousness. Consciousness, mm-hmm. our conscious state, carries through wherever we go, whenever we go, wherever we are, whenever we go. When we dissociate, yeah. when we draw from connection and and energizing, because whatever it is that we quote unquote are is the one that is energizing that is giving that body meaning and purpose first of all and when we are done with it whether we've abused it whether even in our error we've just you know it can't handle it anymore and it can't handle the energy because it's all electromagnetic energy and it's all intelligently run by us and so when we can't do that uh, there's no big deal for for an entity to to tell you that oh he kills people first of all no one dies so to speak so he can't kill anyone and he eats their brain yeah. it's like oh, oh I'm gonna say it now get ready hold the fuck hum who cares <laughs> okay no big deal you don't need him and the thing about it though is our society our culture has invested so much in this idea that physicality is life and non-physicality is death. That's one big lie. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Big error. Yep. You see? 
So so we we're doing all this stuff. These are the errors. They destroy themselves for they know not what they're doing. They know not themselves. They don't know who they are. And the thing about it, that that entity, uh, there's a place like attracts like. There's another uh, law of the universe, you might say. We're talking about the similars coming together. And ultimately, there's no judgment about what anyone does other than by the one who is having the experience. And so, you know, people have been told these stories. Well, here's someone who is God's representative on earth, and you need to pay all your homage to them. You need to tie to them, etc. But God will send you out blessings you won't have room to receive. And excuse me, we we bought the story. And what did they use? They used fear. When you look upon yeah. the map of consciousness and you see where fear is, fear on the map of consciousness is 0.2. All right? Uh, the very bottom one is 0.02. Fear, uh, not, not 0.2, it's 0.1. Because on the map of consciousness is 100. On the map of consciousness is 0.0, no, no, 0.1. That's the number. And the point basically on that scale is moving from 0.2, which is the bottom one, 0.1, one-tenth in terms of a number, is where fear is. 0.2 is courage. And the the point basically is that from 0 to underneath courage, everything underneath there is what's referred to as realm of force. It's where people are trying to do things by forcing you. You talked about how you felt good while you're you're doing what you're doing, and all of a sudden some comes on the news, and now you don't feel that good. They're trying to force you. They're trying to move you into a, a, a place of consciousness, which is actually not comfortable to you. And one reason it's not comfortable is because it's based on false evidence appearing real. There's your fear. So ultimately, you want to move into authenticity. You want to so truth is is somewhere else. That when you come across and you are in truth, you you start feeling better. Even if you feel bad, uh, if someone feeling thought was feeling bad when they got on this call, very likely they probably feel better than they did when they when we started. That's my that's my goal in everything I do from every breath I take, uh, not just for someone else, but it's for me. You know, we're going to have our ups and downs in life, but always know that you have the ability, uh, first of all, to, uh, to steer your, your experience. You know, the, the waves, you know, when, you, when you're in sailing, you know, you've got a boat, you've got a rudder, and you've got a sail, you can go very much against the grain but you've got to know how to set your sails, to set the tack of them. And mm-hmm. it's the same type of thing. We have to know how to do that with our consciousness because everyone has one, and it does not care what you do. It doesn't judge what you do. So that, that entity that created what it created for itself, it, it's just, that's, that's for it. However, I would say oh. this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was just going to say that by connecting with, with Renee and his light, that could have been a lifeline to that, that being. 
to acknowledge that there's something else or to see something around him in whatever dimension he is, he is in, and I just feel he, so I'm going to say it, that there's a, something there that's right there present that he can actually latch onto that he didn't see before. Because ultimately love doesn't care either. Love is what it is, and it's available to everyone whenever they're ready to seek it and accept it and embrace it. Because without it, nothing exists, as I see it at least. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, gentlemen, okay. uh, go ahead, Renee. You got a final word? We come to our no, end no, here. no, no. Really, just uh, mm-hmm. want to say thank you so much, uh, Adam, for coming out, and uh, really appreciate yeah. your your wisdom and the knowledge. It's uh, definitely a blessing for us all, for sure. And same with you, Beverly, of providing the platform and and uh, being this beacon of light in the in a world full of, that's full of mystery and magic and strangeness, uh, definitely a yeah. place of balance. Sure. So, yeah, and I'm going to head out for this evening. And okay. Go ahead. And I want to go thank ahead. both of you gentlemen. I want to thank both of y'all for uh, sharing your knowledge and understanding and, spare, and giving us your time and energy. And uh, we definitely have to do this again as I have more questions here. So I really appreciate uh, you, Renee, and Hamilton, and you, Adam, Abraham. Thank you again, and better love. Thank you so much, Thank too, you. Beverly. Appreciate it. Okay. Take care, my friend. All, All right. Love. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me.
some new love. 